When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Section 17 of The Life and Death of Cardinal Wolsey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Part 17 The next morning my lord rose early and rode straight to the court, at whose coming the king was ready to ride, willing my lord to resort to the council with the lords in his absence, and said he could not tarry with him, commanding him to return with Cardinal Campeggio, who had taken his leave of the king, whereupon my lord was constrained to take his leave also of the king, with whom the king departed amiably in the sight of all men. The king's sudden departing in the morning was by the special labor of Mistress Anne, who rode with him, only to lead him about, because he should not return until the cardinals were gone, the which departed after dinner, returning again towards the moor. The king rode that morning to view a ground for a new park, which is called at this day Hartwell Park, where Mistress Anne had made provision for the king's dinner, fearing his return or the cardinals were gone. Then rode my lord and the other cardinal after dinner on their way homeward, and so came to the monastery of St. Albans, whereof he himself was commendatory, and there lay one whole day, and the next day they rode to the moor and from thence the cardinal campeggio took his journey towards rome with the king's reward what it was i am uncertain nevertheless after his departure the king was informed that he carried with him great treasures of my lord's conveyed in great tons notable sums of gold and silver to rome whither they surmised my lord would secretly convey himself out of this realm insomuch that a post was sent speedily after the cardinal to search him whom they overtook at calais where he was stayed until search was made there was not so much money found as he received of the king's reward and so he was dismissed and went his way after cardinal campeggio was thus departed and gone michael mass term drew near against the which my lord returned unto his house at westminster and when the term began he went to the hall in such like sort and gesture as he was wont most commonly to do and sat in the chancery being chancellor after which day he never sat there more the next day he tarried at home expecting the coming of the two dukes of suffolk and norfolk which came not that day but the next day they came unto him to whom they declared how the king's pleasure was that 
he should surrender and deliver up the great seal into their hands and to depart simply unto escher a house situate nigh hampton court belonging to the bishop of winchester my lord understanding their message demanded of them what commission they had to give him any such commandment who answered him again that they were sufficient commissioners in that behalf having the king's commandment by his mouth so to do yet quoth he that is not sufficient for me without a further commandment of the king's pleasure for the great seal of england was delivered me by the king's own person to enjoy during my life with the ministration of the office and high room of chancellorship of england for my surety whereof i have the king's letters patent to show which matter was greatly debated between the dukes and him with many stout words between them whose words and checks he took in patience for the time insomuch that the dukes were fain to depart again without their purpose at that present and returned again unto windsor to the king and what report they made i cannot tell howbeit the next day they came again from the king bringing with them the king's letters after the receipt and reading of the same by my lord which was done with much reverence he delivered unto them the great seal contented to obey the king's high commandment and seeing that the king's pleasure was to take his house with the contents was well pleased simply to depart to escher taking nothing but only some provision for his house and after long talk between the dukes and him they departed with the great seal of england to windsor unto the king then went my lord cardinal and called all officers in every office in his house before him to take account of all such stuff as they had in charge and in his gallery there was set divers tables whereupon a great number of rich stuff of silk in whole pieces of all colors as velvet satin damask kaffa taffeta grograin sarsnet and of other not in my remembrance also there lay a thousand pieces of fine holland cloth whereof as i heard him say afterward there was five hundred pieces thereof conveyed both from the king and him furthermore there was also all the walls of the gallery hanged with cloths of gold and tissue of divers makings and cloths of silver likewise on both the sides and rich cloths of bodkin of divers colors there hung also the richest suits of copes of his own provision which he caused to be made for his colleges of oxford and ipswich that ever i saw in england then had he two chambers adjoining to the gallery the one called the gilt chamber and the other called most commonly the council chamber wherein were set in each two broad and long tables upon trestles whereupon was set such a number of plate of all sorts as were almost incredible in the gilt chamber was set out upon the tables nothing but all gilt plate and a cupboard standing under a window was garnished wholly with plate of clean gold whereof some was set with pearl and rich stones and in the council chamber was set all white plate and parcel gilt and under the tables in both the chambers 
were set baskets with old plate, which was not esteemed but for broken plate and old, not worthy to be occupied, and books counting the value and weight of every parcel laid by them ready to be seen. And so was also books set by all manner of stuff, containing the contents of everything. Thus everything being brought into good order and furnished, he gave the charge of the delivery thereof unto the king, to every officer within his office of such stuff as they had before in charge, by indenture of every parcel. For the order of his house was such as that every officer was charged by indenture with all such parcels as belonged to their office. Then all things being ordered as it is before rehearsed, my lord prepared him to depart by water, and before his departing he commanded Sir William Gascogne, his treasurer, to see these things before remembered, delivered safely to the king at his repair. That done, the said Sir William said unto my lord, Sir, I am sorry for your grace, for I understand ye shall go straightway to the tower. Is this the good comfort and counsel, quoth my lord, that ye can give your master an adversity? It hath been always your natural inclination to be very light of credit, and much more lighter in reporting of false news. I would ye should know, Sir William, and all other such blasphemers, that it is nothing more false than that, for I never, thanks be to God, deserved by no ways to come there under any arrest, although it has pleased the king to take my house ready furnished for his pleasure at this time. I would all the world knew, and so I confess, to have nothing, either riches, honor, or dignity, that hath not grown of him and by him. Therefore it is my very duty to surrender the same to him again, as is his very own, with all my heart, or else I were an unkind servant. Therefore go your ways, and give good attendance unto your charge, that nothing be embezzled and therewith he made him ready to depart with all his gentlemen and yeomen which was no small number and took his barge at his privy stairs and so went by water unto putney where all his horses waited his coming and at the taking of his barge there was no less than a thousand boats full of men and women of the city of london wafting up and down in the thames expecting my lord's departing, supposing that he should have gone directly from thence to the tower, whereat they rejoiced, and I dare be bold to say that the most part never received damage at his hands. O oh, wavering and new-fangled multitude! Is it not a wonder to consider the inconstant mutability of this uncertain world? the common people always desiring alterations and novelties of things for the strangeness of the case which after turneth them to small profit and commodity for if the sequel of this matter be well considered and digested ye shall understand that they had small cause to triumph at his fall what hath succeeded all wise men doth know and the common sort of them hath felt Therefore, to grudge or wonder at it surely were but folly. To study a redress, I see not how it can be holpen. 
for the inclination and natural disposition of Englishmen is, and hath always been, to desire alteration of officers, which hath been thoroughly fed with long continuance in their rooms with sufficient riches and possessions, and they being put out, then cometh another hungry and a lean officer in his place, that biteth nearer the bone than the old. So the people be ever pilled and polled with hungry dogs, through their own desire of change of new officers, nature hath so wrought in the people, that it will not be redressed. Wherefore I cannot see but always men in authority be disdained with the common sort of men, and such most of all that justly ministereth equity to all men indifferently. For where they please some one which receiveth the benefit of the law at his hands according to justice, there doth they in likewise displease the contrary party, who supposeth to sustain great wrong, where they have equity and right. Thus all good justices be always in contempt with some for executing of indifferency, and yet such ministers must be, for if there should be no ministers of justice, the world should run full of error and abomination, and no good order kept, no quietness among the people. There is no good man but he will commend such justices as dealeth uprightly in their rooms, and rejoice at their continuance, and not at their fall. And whether this be true or no, I put me to the judgment of all discreet persons. Now let us leave, and begin again where we left. End of section 17 Section 18 of The Life and Death of Cardinal Wolsey this LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Part 18 When he was with all his train, arrived and landed at Putney, he took his mule, and every man his horse, and setting forth, not past the length of a pair of garden butts, he espied a man coming riding impost down the hill in Putney town, demanding of his footmen who they thought it should be. And they answered again, and said, and they supposed it should be Sir Harry Norris. And by and by he came to my lord, and saluted him, and said, That the king's majesty had him commended to his grace, and willed him in any wise to be of good cheer, for he was as much in his highness's favor as ever he was, and so shall be. And in token thereof he delivered him a ring of gold, with a rich stone, which ring he knew very well, for it was always the privy token between the king and him, whensoever the king would have any special matter dispatched at his hands, and said furthermore, that the king commanded him to be of good cheer, and take no thought, for he should not lack. And although the king hath dealt with you unkindly as ye suppose, he saith that it is for no displeasure that he bereave you, but only to satisfy more the minds of some, which he knoweth be not your friends, than for any indignation. And also ye know right well that he is able to recompense you with twice as much as your goods amounteth to, and all this he bade me that I should show you. Therefore, sir, take patience, 
and for my part I trust to see you in better estate than ever ye were. But when he heard Master Norris rehearse all the good and comfortable words of the king, he quickly lighted from off his mule all alone, as though he had been the youngest person amongst us, and incontinent kneeled down in the dirt upon both his knees, holding up his hands for joy. Master Norris, perceiving him so quickly from his mule upon the ground, mused, and was astonished therewith. And therewith he alighted also, and kneeled by him, embracing him in his arms, and asked him how he did, calling upon him to credit his message. "'Master Norris,' quoth he, "'when I consider your comfortable and joyful news, I can do no less than to rejoice, for the sudden joy surmounted my memory, having no respect neither to the place or time, but thought it my very bounden duty to render thanks to God my Maker, and to the King my sovereign Lord and Master, who hath sent me such comfort.' in the very place where i received the same and talking with master norris upon his knees in the mire he would have pulled off his undercap of velvet but he could not undo the knot under his chin wherefore with violence he rent the laces and pulled it from his head and so kneeled bareheaded and that done he covered again his head and arose and would have mounted his mule but he could not mount again with such agility as he lighted before, where his footmen had as much ado to set him in the saddle as they could have. Then rode he forth up the hill into the town, talking with Master Norris. And when he came upon Putney Heath, Master Norris took his leave and would have departed. Then quoth my lord unto him, Gentle Norris, if I were lord of a realm, the one half thereof were insufficient a reward to give you for your pains and good comfortable news but good master norris consider with me that i have nothing left me but my clothes on my back therefore i desire you to take this small reward of my hands the which was a little chain of gold made like a bottle chain with a cross of gold hanging thereat wherein was a piece of the holy cross which he wear continually about his neck next to his skin, and said furthermore, I assure you, Master Norris, that when I was in prosperity, although it seemed but small in value, yet I would not gladly have departed with it for the value of a thousand pounds. Therefore I beseech you to take it in gree, and wear it about your neck for my sake, and as often as ye shall happen to look upon it, have me in remembrance to the king's majesty, as opportunity shall serve you, unto whose highness and clemency I desire you to have me most lowly commended, for whose charitable disposition towards me I can do nothing but only minister my prayer unto God for the preservation of this royal estate, long to reign in honor, health, and quiet life. I am his obedient subject, vassal, and poor chaplain, and do so intend, God willing, to be during my life, accounting that of myself I am of no estimation, nor of no substance, but only by him and of him, whom I love better than myself, and have justly and truly served to the best of my gross wit. And with that he took Master Norris by the hand and bade him farewell 
and being gone but a small distance he returned and called master norris again and when he was returned he said unto him i am sorry quoth he that i have no condign token to send to the king but if ye would at this my request present the king with this poor fool i trust his highness would accept him well for surely for a nobleman's pleasure he is worth a thousand pounds so master norris took the fool with him with whom my lord was fain to send six of his tall yeomen to conduct and convey the fool to the court for the poor fool took on and fired so in such a rage when he saw that he must needs depart from my lord yet notwithstanding they conveyed him with master norris to the court where the king received him most gladly after the departure of master norris with his token to the king my lord rode straight to escher a house appertaining to the bishopric of winchester situate within the county of surrey not far from hampton court where my lord and his family continued the space of three or four weeks without beds sheets tablecloths cups and dishes to eat our meat or to lie in howbeit there was a good provision of all kind of victuals and of drink both beer and wine whereof there was sufficient and plenty my lord was of necessity compelled to borrow of the bishop of carlisle and of sir thomas arundel both dishes to eat his meat in and plate to drink in and also linen cloths to occupy and thus continued he in this strange estate until the feast of all hallowtide was past it chanced me upon all hallowed day in the morning to come there into the great chamber to give mine attendance where i found master cromwell leaning in the great window with a primer in his hand saying of our lady matins which had been since a very strange night he prayed not more earnestly than the tears distilled from his eyes whom i bade good morrow and with that i perceived the tears upon his cheeks to whom i said why master cromwell what meaneth all this your sorrow is my lord in any danger for whom ye lament thus or is it for any loss that ye have sustained by any misadventure nay nay quoth he it is my unhappy adventure which am like to lose all that i have travailed for all the days of my life for doing of my master true and diligent service why sir quoth i i trust ye be too wise to commit any thing by my lord's commandment otherwise than ye ought to do of right whereof ye have cause to doubt of loss of your goods well well quoth he i cannot tell but all things i see before mine eyes is as it is taken and this i understand right well that i am in disdain with most men for my master's sake and surely without just cause howbeit an ill name once gotten will not lightly be put away i never had any promotion by my lord to the increase of my living and thus much will i say to you that i intend god willing this afternoon when my lord hath dined to ride to london and so to the court where i will either make or mar or i come again i will put myself in the press to see what any man is able to lay to my charge of untruth or misdemeanor 
marry sir quoth i in so doing in my conceit ye shall do very well and wisely beseeching god to be your guide and send you good luck even as i would myself and with that i was called into the closet to see and prepare all things ready for my lord who intended that day to say mass there himself and so he did and then my lord came thither with his chaplain one dr marshall saying first his matins and heard two masses on his knees and then after he was confessed he himself said mass and when he had finished mass and all his divine service returned into his chamber where he dined among divers of his doctors whereas master cromwell dined also and sitting at dinner it chanced that my lord commended the true and faithful service of his gentlemen and yeomen whereupon master cromwell took an occasion to say to my lord that in conscience he ought to consider their truth and loyal service that they did him in this his present necessity which never forsaketh him in all his trouble it shall be done therefore said he for your grace to call them before you all these your most worthy gentlemen and right honest yeomen and let them understand that ye right well consider their patience truth and faithfulness and then give them your commendation with good words and thanks the which shall be to them great courage to sustain your mishap in patient misery and to spend their life and substance in your service alas thomas quoth my lord unto him ye know i have nothing to give them and words without deeds be not often well taken for if i had but as i have had of late i would depart with them so frankly as they should be well content but nothing hath no savor and i am ashamed and also sorry that i am not able to requite their faithful service and although i have cause to rejoice considering the fidelity that i perceive in the number of my servants who will not depart from me in my miserable estate but be as diligent obedient and serviceable about me as they were in my great triumphant glory yet do i lament again the want of substance to distribute among them why sir quoth master cromwell have ye not here a number of chaplains to whom ye have departed very liberally with spiritual promotions insomuch as some may dispend by your grace's preferment a thousand marks by the year and some five hundred marks and some more and some less ye have no one chaplain within all your house or belonging unto you but he may dispend at the least well by your procurement and preferment three hundred marks yearly who had all the profits and advantages at your hands and these your servants none at all and yet hath your poor servants taken much more pain for you in one day than all your idle chaplains hath done in a year therefore if they will not freely and frankly consider your liberality and depart with you of the same goods gotten in your service now in your great indigence and necessity it is pity that they live and all the world will have them in indignation and hatred for their abominable ingratitude to their master and lord i think no less thomas quoth my lord 
wherefore cause all my servants be called and to assemble without in my great chamber after dinner and see them stand in order and i will declare unto them my mind according to your advice after that the board's end was taken up master cromwell came to me and said heard you not what my lord said even now yes sir quoth i that i did well then quoth he assemble all my lord's servants up in the great chamber and so i did and when they were all there assembled i signed all the gentlemen to stand on the right side of the chamber and the yeomen on the left side and at the last my lord came thither apparelled in a white rocket upon a violet gown of cloth like a bishop's who went straight into the great window standing there a while and his chaplains about him beholding the number of his servants divided into two parts he could not speak unto them for tenderness of his heart the flood of tears that distilled from his eyes declared no less the which perceived by his servants caused the fountains of water to gush out of their faithful hearts down their cheeks in such abundance as it would cause a cruel heart to lament at the last after he had turned his face to the wall and wiped his eyes with his handkerchief he spake to them after this sort in effect most faithful gentlemen and true-hearted yeomen i do not only lament to see your personal presence about me but i do lament my negligent ingratitude towards you all on my behalf in whom hath been a great default that in my prosperity hath not done for you so much as i might have done either in word or deed which was then in my power to do but then i knew not my jewels and special treasures that i had of you my faithful servants in my house but now approved experience hath taught me and with the eyes of my discretion which before were hid i do perceive well the same there was never thing that repented me more that ever i did than both the remembrance of my oblivious negligence and ungentleness that i have not promoted or preferred you to condign rooms and preferments according to your demerits howbeit it is not unknown to you all that i was not so well furnished of temporal advancements as i was of spiritual preferments and if i should have promoted you to any of the king's offices and rooms then should i have incurred the indignation of the king's servants who would not much let to report in every place behind my back that there could no office or room in the king's gift escape the cardinal and his servants and thus should i incur the obliquy and slander before the whole world but now it has come to this pass that it hath pleased the king to take all that ever i have into his possession so that i have nothing left me but my bare clothes upon my back the which be but simple in comparison to those that ye have seen me have or this albeit if they may do you any good or pleasure i would not stick to divide them among you yea and the skin of my back if it might countervail any thing in value among you but good gentlemen and yeomen my trusty and faithful servants of whom 
no prince hath the like in my opinion i most heartily require you to take with me some patience a little while for i doubt not but that the king considering the offence suggested against me by my mortal enemies to be of small effect will shortly i doubt not restore me again to my livings so that i shall be more able to divide some part thereof yearly among you whereof ye shall be well assured for the surplusage of my revenues whatsoever shall remain at the determination of my accompts shall be god willing distributed among you for i will never hereafter esteem the goods and riches of this uncertain world but as a vain thing more than shall be sufficient for the maintenance of mine estate and dignity that god hath or shall call me unto this world during my life and if the king do not thus shortly restore me then will i see you bestowed according to your own requests and write for you either to the king or to any other noble person within this realm to retain you into service for i doubt not but the king or any nobleman or worthy gentleman of this realm will credit my letter in your commendation therefore in the meantime mine advice is that ye repair home to your wives such as hath any and such among you as hath none to take this time to visit your parents and friends in the country there is none of you all but once in a year would require license to visit your wives and other of your friends take this time i pray you in respect thereof and at your return i will not refuse you if i should beg with you i consider that the service of my house hath been such and of such a sort that ye be not meet or apt to serve no man under the degree of a king therefore i would wish you to serve no man but the king who i am sure will not reject you therefore i desire you to take your pleasures for a month and then ye may come again unto me and i trust by that time the king's majesty will extend his clemency upon me sir quoth master cromwell there is divers of these your yeomen that would be glad to see their friends but they lack money therefore here is divers of your chaplains who have received at your hands great benefices and high dignities let them therefore now show themselves unto you as they are bound by all humanity to do i think their honesty and charity is not so slender and void of grace that they would not see you lack where they may help to refresh you and for my part although i have not received of your grace's gift any one penny towards the increase of my yearly living yet will i depart with you this towards the dispatch of your servants and delivered him five pounds in gold and now let us see what your chaplains will do i think they will depart with you much more than i have done who be more able to give you a pound than i one penny go to masters quoth he to the chaplains insomuch as some gave to him ten pounds some ten marks some a hundred shillings and so some more and some less as at that time 
their powers did extend whereby my lord received among them as much money of their liberality as he gave to each of his yeomen a quarter's wages and board wages for a month and they departed down into the hall where some determined to go to their friends and some said they would not depart from my lord until they might see him in better estate my lord returned into his chamber lamenting the departure from his servants making his moan unto master cromwell who comforted him the best he could and desired my lord to give him leave to go to london where he would either make or mar or he came again which was always his common saying then after long communication with my lord in secret he departed and took his horse and rode to london at whose departing i was by whom he bade farewell and said ye shall hear shortly of me and if i speed well i will not fail to be here again within these two days and so i took my leave of him and he rode forth on his journey sir ralph sadler now knight was then his clerk and rode with him end of section eighteen section nineteen of the life and death of cardinal wolsey this LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Part 19 After that, my lord had supped that night, being all hallow day at night, and all men gone to bed. It chanced so, about midnight, that one of the porters came unto my chamber door, and there knocked, and waking of me, perceived who it was, asked him what he would have at that time of the night sir quoth the porter there is a great number of horsemen at the gate that would come in saying to me that it is sir john russell and so it appears to me by his voice what is your pleasure that i should do marry quoth i go down again and make a great fire in your lodge against i come to dry them for it rained all that night the sorest that it did all that year before then I rose and put on my nightgown and came to the gates and asked who was there with that master russell spake whom i knew by his voice and then i caused the porters to open the gates and let them all in who were wet to the skin desiring master russell to go into the lodge to the fire and he showed me that he was come from the king unto my lord in message with whom he required me to speak sir quoth i i trust your news be good yea i promise you on my fidelity quoth he and so i pray you show him i have brought him such news that will please him right well then i will go quoth i and wake him and cause him to rise i went incontinent to my lord's chamber door and waked my lord who asked me what i would have sir said i to show you that sir john russell is come from the king who is desirous to speak with you and then he called up one of his grooms to let me in and being within i told him what a journey maister russell had that night i pray god quoth he all be for the best yes sir quoth i he showed me and so bade me tell you that he had brought you such news as ye would greatly rejoice thereat well then quoth he god be praised and welcome be his grace 
Go ye and fetch him unto me, and by that time I will be ready to talk with him. Then I returned from him to the lodge, and brought Master Russell from thence to my lord, who had cast on his nightgown. And when Master Russell was come into his presence, he most humbly reverenced him upon his knee, to whom my lord bowed down, and took him up, and bade him welcome. Sir, quoth he, the king commendeth him unto you, and delivered him a great ring of gold with a turquoise for a token, and willed you to be of good cheer, who loveth you as well as he ever did, and is not a little disquieted for your troubles, whose mind is full of your remembrance, insomuch as his grace, before he sat to supper, called me unto him, and commanded me to take this journey secretly to visit you, to your comfort the best of my power. And, sir, if it please your grace, I have had this night the sorest journey, for so little a way, that ever I had to my remembrance. My lord thanked him for his pains and good news, and demanded of him if he had supped, and he said, Nay. Well, then, quoth my lord to me, cause the cooks to provide some meat for him, and cause a chamber with a good fire to be made ready for him, that he may take his rest a while upon a bed. All which commandment I fulfilled, and in the meantime my lord and master Russell were in very secret communication, and in fine master Russell went to his chamber, taking his leave of my lord for all night, and said, he would not tarry but a while, for he would, God willing, be at the court at Greenwich again before day, for he would not for anything that it were known his being with my lord that night. And so being in his chamber, having a small repast, rested him a while upon a bed, whilst his servants supped and dried themselves by the fire, and then incontinent he rode away with speed to the court. And shortly after his being there, my lord restored again unto plenty of household stuff, vessel, and plate, and of all things necessary some part, so that he was indifferently furnished much better than he was of late, and yet not so abundantly as the king's pleasure was, the default whereof was in the officers, and in such as had the oversight of the delivery thereof, and yet my lord rejoiced in that little in comparison to that he had before. Now let us return again to Master Cromwell, to see how he hath sped since his departure last from my lord. The case stood so, that there should begin, shortly after all hallowtide, the Parliament, and he, being within London, devised with himself to be one of the burgesses of the Parliament, and chanced to meet with one Sir Thomas Rush, knight, a special friend of his, whose son was appointed to be one of the burgesses of that Parliament, of whom he obtained his room, and by that means put his foot into the Parliament House. Then, within two or three days after his entry into the Parliament, he came unto my lord to Escher, with a much pleasanter countenance than he had at his departure, and meeting with me before he came to my lord, said unto me that he had once adventured to put in his foot, where he trusted shortly to be better regarded, or all were done and when he was come to my lord they talked together in secret manner, and that done he rode out of hand again that night to London, because he would not be absent from the Parliament the next morning. There could nothing be spoken against my lord in the Parliament House, 
but he would answer it incontinent, or else take a day until the next day, against which time he would resort to my lord to know what answer he should make in his behalf insomuch that there was no matter alleged against my lord but that he was ever ready furnished with a sufficient answer so that at length for his honest behavior in his master's case he grew into such estimation in every man's opinion that he was esteemed to be the most faithfulest servant to his master of all other wherein he was of all men greatly commended then was there brought in a bill of articles into the parliament house to have my lord condemned of treason against which bill master cromwell inveighed so discreetly with such witty persuasions and deep reasons that the same bill could take there no effect then were his enemies compelled to indict him in a premunary and all was done only to the intent to entitle the king to all his goods and possessions the which he had gathered together and purchased for his colleges in oxford and ipswich and for the maintenance of the same which was then a building in most sumptuous wise wherein when he was demanded by the judges which were sent him purposely to examine him what answer he would make to the same he said the king's highness knoweth right well whether i have offended his majesty and his laws or no in using of my prerogative legatine for the which ye have me indicted notwithstanding i have the king's license in my coffers under his hand and broad seal for exercising and using the authority thereof in the largest wise within his highness's dominions the which remaineth now in the hands of my enemies therefore because i will not stand in question or trial with the king in his own cause i am content here of mine own frank will and mind in your presence to confess the offence in the indictment and put me wholly in the mercy and grace of the king having no doubts in his godly disposition and charitable conscience whom i know hath an high discretion to consider the truth and my humble submission and obedience and although i might justly stand on the trial with him therein yet i am content to submit myself to his clemency and thus much ye may say to him in my behalf that i am entirely his obediencer and do intend god willing to obey and fulfil all his princely pleasure in everything that he will command me to do whose will and pleasure i never yet disobeyed or repugned but was always contented and glad to accomplish his desire and commandment before god whom i ought most rathest to have obeyed the which negligence now greatly repenteth me notwithstanding i most heartily require you to have me most humbly to his royal majesty commended for whom i do and will pray for the preservation of his royal person long to reign in honor prosperity and quietness and to have the victory over his mortal and cankered enemies and they took their leave of him and departed end of section nineteen section twenty of the life and death of cardinal wolsey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by john greenman part twenty 
shortly after the king sent the duke of norfolk unto him in message but what it was i am not certain but my lord being advertised that the duke was coming even at hand he caused all his gentlemen to wait upon him down through the hall into the base court to receive the duke at the entry of the gates and commanded all his yeomen to stand still in the hall in order and he and his gentlemen went to the gates where he encountered with my lord of norfolk whom he received bareheaded who embraced each other and so led him by the arm through the hall into his chamber and as the duke passed through the hall at the upper end thereof he turned again his visage down the hall regarding the number of the tall yeomen that stood in order there and said sirs quoth he your diligent and faithful service unto my lord here your master in this time of his calamity hath purchased for yourselves of all noblemen much honesty insomuch as the king commanded me to say to you in his grace's name that for your true and loving service that ye have done to your master his highness will see you all furnished at all times with services according to your demerits with that my lord cardinal put off his cap and said to my lord of norfolk sir quoth he these men be all approved men wherefore it were pity they should want other service or living and being sorry that i am not able to do for them as my heart doth wish do therefore require you my good lord to be good lord unto them and extend your good word for them when ye shall see opportunity at any time hereafter and that ye will prefer their diligent and faithful service to the king doubt ye not thereof quoth my lord of norfolk but i will do for them the best of my power and when i shall see cause i will be an earnest suitor for them to the king and some of you will retain myself in service for your honesty's sake and as ye have begun so continue and remain here still with my lord until ye hear more of the king's pleasure god's blessing and mine be with you and so went up into the great chamber to dinner whom my lord cardinal thanked and said unto him yet my lord of all other noblemen i have most cause to thank you for your noble heart and gentle nature which ye have showed me behind my back as my servant thomas cromwell hath made report unto me but even as ye are a nobleman indeed so have ye showed yourself no less to all men in calamity and in especial to me and even as ye have abated my glory and high estate and brought it full low so have ye extended your honorable favor most charitably unto me being prostrate before ye forsooth sir ye do right well deserve to bear in your arms the noble and gentle lion whose natural inclination is that when he hath vanquished any beast and seeth him yielded lying prostrate before him at his feet then will he show most clemency unto his vanquished and do him no more harm nor suffer any other devouring beast to damage him whose nature and quality ye do ensure therefore these verses may be applied to your lordship which be these parcere prostratis sheet nobilis ira leonis tu quoque fac simile quisquis regnabis in orbem 
with that the water was brought them to wash before dinner to the which my lord called my lord of norfolk to wash with him but he refused of courtesy and desired to have him excused and said that it became him not to presume to wash with him any more now than it did before in his glory yes forsooth quoth my lord cardinal for my authority and dignity legatin is gone wherein consisted all my high honor a straw quoth my lord of norfolk for your legacy i never esteemed your honor the more or higher for that but i regarded your honor for that ye were archbishop of york and a cardinal whose estate of honor surmounteth any duke now being within this realm and so will i honor you and acknowledge the same and bear you reverence accordingly therefore i beseech you content yourself for i will not presume to wash with you and therefore i pray you hold me excused then was my lord cardinal constrained to wash alone and my lord of norfolk alone also when he had done and when he had also my lord cardinal would fain have had my lord of norfolk to sit down on the chair in the inner side of the table but surely he refused the same also with much humbleness then was there set another chair for my lord of norfolk over against my lord cardinal on the outside of the table the which was by my lord of norfolk based something beneath my lord and during the dinner all their communication was of the diligent service of the gentleman which remained with my lord there attending upon him at dinner and how much the king and all other noblemen doth esteem them with worthy commendations for so doing and at this time how little they be esteemed in the court that are come to the king's service and have forsaken their master in his necessity whereof some he blamed by name and with this communication the dinner being ended they rose from the table and went together into my lord's bedchamber where they continued in consultation a certain season and being there it chanced master shelley the judge to come thither sent from the king whereof relation was made to my lord which caused the duke and him to break up their communication and the duke desired to go into some chamber to repose him for a season and as he was coming out of my lord's chamber he met with master shelley to whom master shelley made relation of the cause of his coming and desired the duke to tarry and to assist him in doing of his message whom he denied and said i have nothing to do with your message wherein i will not meddle and so departed into a chamber where he took his rest for an hour or two and in the meantime my lord issued out of his chamber and came to master shelley to know his message who declared unto him after due salutation that the king's pleasure was to have his house at westminster then called york place belonging to the bishopric of york intending to make of that house a palace royal and to possess the same according to the laws of this his grace's realm his highness hath therefore sent for all the judges and for all his learned counsel to know their opinions in the assurance thereof in whose determinations it was fully resolved that your grace should recognize before a judge 
the right thereof to be in the king and his successors and so his highness shall be assured thereof wherefore it hath pleased his majesty to appoint me by his commandment to come hither to take of you this recognizance who hath in you such affiance that ye will not refuse so to do accordingly therefore i shall desire your grace to know your good will therein master shelley quoth my lord i know that the king of his own nature is of a royal stomach and yet not willing more than justice shall lead him unto by the law and therefore i counsel you and all other fathers of the law and learned men of his counsel to put no more into his head than the law may stand with good conscience for when ye tell him this is the law it were well done ye should tell him also that although this be the law yet this is conscience for law without conscience is not good to be given unto a king in counsel to use for a lawful right but always to have a respect to conscience before the rigor of the common law for laus est facere quod decet non quod licet the king ought of his royal dignity and prerogative to mitigate the rigor of the law where conscience hath the most force therefore in his royal place of equal justice he hath constitute a chancellor an officer to execute justice with clemency where conscience is opposed by the rigor of the law and therefore the court of chancery hath been heretofore commonly called the court of conscience because it hath jurisdiction to command the high ministers of the common law to spare execution and judgment where conscience hold most effect therefore i say to you in this case although you and other of your profession perceive by your learning that the king may by an order of your laws lawfully do that thing which ye demand of me how say you master shelley may i do it with justice and conscience to give that thing away from me and my successors which is none of mine if this be law with conscience show me your opinion i pray you forsooth my lord quoth he there is some conscience in this case but having regard to the king's high power and to be employed to a better use and purpose it may the better be suffered with conscience who is sufficient to make recompense to the church of york with double the value that i know well quoth my lord but here is no such condition neither promised nor agreed but only a bare and simple departure with another's right for ever and if every bishop may do the like then might every prelate give away the patrimony of their churches which is none of theirs and so in process of time leave nothing for their successors to maintain their dignities which all things considered should be but small to the king's honor sir i do not intend to stand in terms with you in this matter but let me see your commission to whom master shelley showed the same and that seen and perceived by him said again thus master shelley quoth he ye shall make report to the king's highness that i am his obedient subject and faithful chaplain and beadman 
whose royal commandment and request I will in no wise disobey, but most gladly fulfill and accomplish his princely will and pleasure in all things, and in especial in this matter, inasmuch as ye, the fathers of the laws, say that I may lawfully do it. Therefore I charge your conscience and discharge the mine. Howbeit, I pray you, show his majesty from me that I most humbly desire his highness to call to his most gracious remembrance that there is both heaven and hell. And therewith the clerk was called, who wrote my lord's recognizance, and after some secret talk, Master Shelley departed. Then rose my lord of Norfolk from his repose, and after some communication with my lord, he departed. Thus continued my lord at Escher, who received daily messages from the court, whereof some were not so good as some were bad, but yet much more evil than good. For his enemies, perceiving the great affection that the king bare always towards him, devised a mean to disquiet and disturb his patience, thinking thereby to give him an occasion to fret and chafe, that death should rather ensue than increase of health or life, the which they most desired. They feared him more after his fall than they did before in his prosperity, doubting much his readoption into authority, by reason that the king's favor remained still towards him in such force whereby they might rather be in danger of their estates than in any assurance, for their cruelty ministered, by their malicious inventions surmised and brought to pass against him. Therefore they took this order among them in their matters, that daily they would send him something, or do something against him, wherein they thought that they might give him a cause of heaviness or lamentation, as some day they would cause the king to send for four or five of his gentlemen from him to serve the king, and some other day they would lay matters newly invented against him. Another day they would take from him some of his promotions, or of their promotions whom he had preferred before. Then would they fetch from him some of his yeomen, insomuch as the king took into service sixteen of them at once, and at one time put them into his guard. This order of life he led continually, and that there was no one day but or ever he went to bed, he had an occasion greatly to chafe or fret the heart out of his belly, but that he was a wise man, and bare all their malice in patience. End of section 20《Section 21 of The Life and Death of Cardinal Wolsey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Part 21. At Christmas he fell sore sick, that he was likely to die, whereof the king, being advertised, was very sorry therefore, and sent Dr. Butes, his grace's physician, unto him, to see in what estate he was. Dr. Butes came unto him, and finding him very sick lying in his bed, and perceiving the danger he was in, repaired again unto the king, of whom the king demanded, saying, How doth yonder man? Have you seen him? Yea, sire, quoth he. How do you like him? quoth the king. Forsooth, sir, quoth he. 
if you will have him dead i warrant your grace he will be dead within these four days if he receive no comfort from you shortly and mistress anne marry quoth the king god forbid that he should die i pray you good master butes go again unto him and do your cure upon him for i would not lose him for twenty thousand pounds then must your grace quoth master butes send him first some comfortable message as shortly as is possible even so will i quoth the king by you and therefore make speed to him again and ye shall deliver him from me this ring for a token of our good will and favor towards him in which ring was engraved the king's visage within a ruby as lively counterfeit as was possible to be devised this ring he knoweth very well for he gave me the same and tell him that i am not offended with him in my heart nothing at all and that shall he perceive and god send him life very shortly therefore bid him be of good cheer and pluck up his heart and take no despair and i charge you come not from him until ye have brought him out of all danger of death and then spake he to mistress anne saying good sweetheart i pray you at this my instance as ye love us to send the cardinal a token with comfortable words and in so doing ye shall do us a loving pleasure she being not minded to disobey the king's earnest request whatsoever she intended in her heart towards the cardinal took incontinent her tablet of gold hanging at her girdle and delivered it to master butes with very gentle and comfortable words in commendation to the cardinal and thus master butes departed and made speedy return to escher to my lord cardinal after whom the king sent dr clement dr wotton and dr cromer the scot to consult and assist master butes for my lord's health after that master butes had been with my lord and delivered the king's and mistress anne's tokens upon him with the most comfortablest words he could devise on their behalf whereat he rejoiced not a little advancing him a little in his bed and received their tokens most joyfully thanking master butes for his comfortable news and pains master butes showed him furthermore that the king's pleasure was that he should minister unto him for his health and for the most assured and brief ways to be had for the same hath sent dr wotton dr clement and dr cromer to join with him in council with ministration therefore my lord quoth he it were well done that they should be called in to visit your person and estate wherein i would be glad to hear their opinions trusting in almighty god that through his grace and assistance we shall ease you of your pains and rid you clean from your disease and infirmity wherewith my lord was well pleased and contented to hear their judgments for indeed he trust more to the scottish doctor than he did to any of the other because he was the very occasion that he inhabited here in england and before he gave him partly his exhibition in paris then when they were come into his chamber and had talked with him he took upon him to debate his disease learnedly among them so that they might understand that he was seen in that art after they had taken order for ministration it was not long or they brought him out of all danger and fear of death and within four days they set him on his feet and got him a good stomach to his meat 
This done, and he in a good estate of amendment, they took their leave to depart, to whom my lord offered his reward, the which they refused, saying that the king gave them in special commandment to take nothing of him for their pains and ministration, for at their return his highness said that he would reward them of his own costs, and thus with great thanks they departed from my lord, whom they left in good estate of recovery. After this time my lord daily amended, and so continued, still at Escher, until Candlemas, against which feast the king caused to be sent him three or four cartloads of stuff, and most part thereof was locked in great standards, except beds and kitchen stuff, wherein was both plate and rich hangings and chapel stuff. Then my lord, being thus furnished, was therewith well contented, although they whom the king assigned did not deliver him so good nay so rich stuff as the king's pleasure was, yet was he joyous thereof, and rendered most humble thanks to the king, and to them that appointed the said stuff for him, saying to us his servants, at the opening of the same stuff in the standards, the which we thought, and said, it might have been better appointed if it had pleased them that appointed it. Nay, sirs, quoth my lord to us, he that hath nothing is glad of somewhat, though it be never so little, and although it be not in comparison half so much and good as we had before, yet we rejoice more of this little than we did before of the great abundance that we then had, and thank the king very much for the same, trusting after this to have much more. Therefore let us all rejoice and be glad that God and the king hath so graciously remembered to restore us to some things to maintain our estate like a noble person. Then commanded he Master Cromwell, being with him, to make suit to the king's majesty, that he might remove thence to some other place, for he was weary of that house of Escher, for with continual use thereof the house waxed unsavory, supposing that if he might remove from thence he should much sooner recover his health. And also the council had put into the king's head that the new gallery at Escher, which my lord had late before his fall newly set up, should be very necessary for the king to take down and set it up again at Westminster, which was done accordingly and stands at this present day there. The taking away thereof before my lord's face was to him a corrosive, which was invented by his enemies only to torment him, the which indeed discouraged him very sore to tarry any longer there. Now Master Cromwell thought it but vain and much folly to move any of the king's council to assist and prefer his suit to the king, among whom rested the number of his mortal enemies for they would either hinder his removing, or else remove him further from the king, than to have hope in him to any place nigh the king's common trade. Wherefore he refused any suit to them, and made only suit to the king's own person, whose suit the king graciously heard, and thought it very convenient to be granted, and through the special motion of Master Cromwell the king was well contented that he should remove to Richmond, which place my lord had a little before repaired to his great cost and charge, for the king had made an exchange thereof with him for Hampton Court. 
all this his removing was done without the knowledge of the king's council for if they might have had any intelligence thereof before then would they have persuaded the king to the contrary but when they were advertised of the king's grant and pleasure they dissimulated their countenance in the king's presence for they were greatly afraid of him lest his nigh being to the king he might at length some one time resort to him and so call him home again considering the great affection and love that the king daily showed towards him wherefore they doubted his rising again if they found not a mean to remove him shortly from the king insomuch that they thought it convenient for their purpose to inform the king upon certain considerations which they invented that it were very necessary that my lord should go down into the north unto his benefice of york where he should be a good stay for the country to the which the king supposing that they had meant no less than good faith granted and condescended to their suggestions which was offered with so wonderful imagined considerations that the king understanding nothing of their intent was lightly persuaded to the same whereupon the duke of norfolk commanded master cromwell who had daily access unto him to say to my lord that it is the king's pleasure that he should with speed go to his benefice where lieth his cure and look to that according to his duty master cromwell at his next repair to my lord declared unto him what my lord of norfolk said as he lay then at richmond how it was determined that he should go to his benefice well then thomas quoth my lord seeing there is none other remedy i do intend to go to my benefice of winchester and i pray you thomas so show my lord of norfolk contented sir quoth master cromwell and according to his commandment did so to the which my lord of norfolk answered and said what will he do there nay quoth he let him go into his province of york whereof he hath received his honor and there lieth the spiritual burden and charge of his conscience as he ought to do and so show him the lords who were not all his friends having intelligence of his intent thought to withdraw his appetite from winchester and would in no wise permit him to plant himself so nigh the king they moved therefore the king to give my lord but a pension out of winchester and to distribute all the rest among the nobility and other of his worthy servants and in likewise to do the same with the revenues of st albans and of the revenues of his colleges in oxford and ipswich the which the king took into his own hands whereof master cromwell had the receipt and government before my lord's assignment in consideration thereof it was thought most convenient that he should have so still notwithstanding out of the revenues of winchester and st albans the king gave to some one nobleman three hundred marks and to some a hundred pounds and to some more and to some less according to the king's royal pleasure now master cromwell executed his office the which he had over the lands of the college so justly and exactly that he was had in great estimation for his witty behavior therein and also for the true faithful and diligent service extended towards my lord his master that it came at length so to pass 
that those to whom the king had given any annuities or fees for term of life by patent out of the forenamed revenues could not be good but during my lord's life forasmuch as the king had no longer a state or title therein which came to him by reason of my lord's attainder in the premunari and to make their estates good and sufficient according to their patents it was thought necessary to have my lord's confirmation unto their grants and this to be brought about there was no other mean but to make suit to master cromwell to obtain the confirmation at my lord's hands whom they thought might best obtain the best then began both noblemen and other who had any patents of the king out either of winchester or st albans to make earnest suit to master cromwell for to solicit their causes to my lord to get of him his confirmations and for his pains therein sustained they promised every man not only worthily to reward him but also to show him such pleasures as should at all times lie in their several powers whereof they assured him wherein master cromwell perceiving an occasion and a time given him to work for himself and to bring the thing to pass which he long wished for intended to work so in these matters to serve their desires that he might the sooner bring his own enterprise to purpose then at his next resort to my lord he moved him privily in this matter to have his counsel and his advice and so by their witty heads it was devised that they should work together by one line to bring by their policies master cromwell in place and estate where he might do himself good and my lord much profit now began matters to work to bring master cromwell into estimation in such short as was afterwards much to his increase of dignity and thus every man having an occasion to sue for my lord's confirmation made now earnest travail to master cromwell for these purposes who refused none to make promise that he would do his best in that case and having a great occasion of access to the king for the disposition of divers lands whereof he had the order and governance by means whereof and by his witty demeanor he grew continually into the king's favor as ye shall hear after in this history but first let us resort to the great business about the assurance of all these patents which the king hath given to divers noblemen and other of his servants wherein master cromwell made a countenance of great suit to my lord for the same that in process of time he served all their turns so that they had their purposes and he their good wills thus rose his name and friendly acceptance with all men the fame of his honesty and wisdom sounded so in the king's ears that by reason of his access to the king he perceived to be in him no less wisdom than fame had made of him report forasmuch as he had the government and receipts of those lands which i showed you before and the conference that he had had with the king therein enforced the king to repute him a very wise man and a meet instrument to serve his grace as it after came to pass end of section twenty one section twenty two of the life and death of cardinal wolsey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by john greenman part twenty two 
Sir, now the lords thought long to remove my lord further from the king, and out of his common trade, wherefore among other of the lords my lord of Norfolk said to Master Cromwell, Sir, quoth he, me thinketh that the cardinal your master maketh no haste northward. Show him that if he go not away shortly, I will, rather than he should tarry still, tear him with my teeth. Therefore I would advise him to prepare him away as shortly as he can, or else he shall be sent forward. These words Master Cromwell reported to my lord at his next repair unto him, who then had a just occasion to resort to him for the dispatch of the noblemen's and others' patents. And here I will leave of this matter, and show you of my lord's being at Richmond. My lord, having license of the king to repair and remove to Richmond, made haste to prepare him thitherward, and so he came and lodged within the great park there, which was a very pretty house and a neat, lacking no necessary rooms that so small a house was convenient and necessary, where was to the same a very proper garden garnished with divers pleasant walks and alleys. My lord continued in this lodge from the time that he came thither, shortly after Candlemas, until it was lent with a privy number of servants because of the smallness of the house, and the rest of his family went to board wages. I will tell you a certain tale by the way of communication. Sir, as my lord was accustomed towards night to walk in the garden there to say his service, it was my chance then to wait upon him there and standing still in an alley whilst he and another walked with his chaplain saying of his service and as i stood i espied certain images of beasts counterfeit in timber standing in a corner under the lodge wall to the which i had repaired to behold among whom i saw there a dun cow whereon i mused most because it seemed to me to be the most liveliest entailed among all the rest my lord being as i said walking on the other side of the garden perceived me came suddenly upon me at my back unawares and said what have ye espied here that ye so attentively look upon forsooth if it please your grace quoth i here i do behold these entailed images the which i supposed were ordained for to be set up within some place about the king's place Howbeit, sir, among them all I have most considered the dun cow, in the which, as it seemeth me, the workman has most apertly showed his cunning. Yea, marry, sir, quoth my lord, upon this dun cow dependeth a certain prophecy, the which I will show you, for preadventure ye never heard of it before. There is a saying, quoth he, that when this cow rideth the bull, then priest beware thy skull of which prophecy neither my lord that declared it nor i that heard it understood the effect although that even then it was a working to be brought to pass for this cow the king gave as one of his beasts appertaining of antiquity unto his earldom of richmond which was his ancient inheritance this prophecy was after expounded in this wise this dun cow because it was the king's beast, betokened the king, 
and the bull betokened Mistress Anne Boleyn, which was after Queen, because her father, Sir Thomas Boleyn, gave the same beast in his cognizance, so that when the king had married her, the which was then unknown to my lord, or to any other at that time, then was this prophecy thought of all men to be fulfilled. For what a number of priests, both religious and secular, lost their heads for offending of such laws as was then made to bring this prophecy to effect, it is not unknown to all the world. Therefore it was judged of all men that this prophecy was then fulfilled when the king and she were joined in marriage. Now how dark and obscure riddles and prophecies be you may behold in this same, for before it was brought to pass there was not the wisest prophesier could perfectly discuss it as it is now come to effect and purpose. Trust, therefore, be mine advice, to no kind of dark riddles and prophecies wherein ye may, as many have been, be deceived and brought to destruction. And many times the imaginations and travailous business to avoid such dark and strange prophecies hath been the very occasion to bring the same the sooner to effect and perfection. Therefore let man beware to divine or assure themselves to expound any such prophecies, for whoso doeth shall first deceive themselves, and, secondly, bring many into error. The experience hath been lately experienced, the more the pity. But if men will needs think themselves so wise to be assured of such blind prophecies, and will work their wills therein, either in avoiding or in fulfilling the same, God send him well to speed, for he may as well, and much more sooner, take damage than avoid the danger thereof. Let prophecies alone, a God's name, apply your vocation, and commit the exposition of such dark riddles and obscure prophecies to God, that disposeth them, as his divine pleasure shall see cause to alter and change all your enterprises and imaginations to nothing, and deceive all your expectations, and cause you to repent your great folly, the which, when ye feel the smart, will yourself confess the same to be both great folly and much more madness to trust in any such fantasies. Let God, therefore, dispose them who girdeneth and punisheth according to men's deserts, and not to all men's judgments. You have heard heretofore what words the Duke of Norfolk had to Master Cromwell touching my lord's going into the north to his benefice of York, at such time as Master Cromwell declared the same to my lord, to whom my lord answered in this wise. Marry, Thomas, quoth he, then it is time to be going, if my lord of Norfolk take it so. Therefore I pray you go to the king and move his highness in my behalf, and say that I would, with all my heart, go to my benefice at York, but for want of money, desiring his grace to assist me with some money towards my journey. For ye may say that the last money that I received of his majesty hath been too little to pay my debts, compelled by his counsel so to do. 
therefore to constrain me to the payment thereof and his highness having all my goods hath been too much extremity wherein i trust his grace will have a charitable aspect ye may say also to my lord of norfolk and other of the council that i would depart if i had money sir quoth master cromwell i will do my best and after other communication he departed again and went to london my lord then in the beginning of lent removed out of the lodge into the charter house of richmond where he lay in a lodging which dr collett sometime dean of paul's had made for himself until he removed northward which was in the passion week after and he had to the same house a secret gallery which went out of his chamber into the charter-house church whither he resorted every day to their service and at afternoons he would sit in contemplation with one or other of the most ancient fathers of that house in his cell who among them and by their counsel persuaded him from the vain glory of this world and gave him divers shirts of hair the which he often wore afterward whereof i am certain and thus he provided for the time of his abode there in godly contemplation now when master cromwell came to the court he chanced to move my lord of norfolk that my lord would gladly depart northward but for lack of money wherein he desired his assistance to the king then went they both jointly to the king to whom my lord of norfolk declared how my lord would gladly depart northward if he wanted not money to bring him thither the king thereupon referred the assignment thereof to the council whereupon they were in divers opinions some said he should have none for he had sufficient of late delivered him some would he should have sufficient and enough and some contrarywise would he should have but a small sum and some thought it much against the council's honor and much more against the king's high dignity to see him want the maintenance of his estate which the king had given him in this realm and also hath been in such estimation with the king and in great authority under him in this realm it should be rather a great slander in foreign realms to the king and his whole council to see him want that lately had so much and now so little therefore rather than he should lack quoth one among them although he never did me good or any pleasure yet would i lay my plate to gauge for him for a thousand pounds rather than he should depart so simply as some would have him for to do let us do to him as we would be done unto considering his small offence and his inestimable substance that he only hath departed with all for the same only for satisfying of the king's pleasure rather than he would stand in defence with the king in defending of his case as he might justly have done as all ye know let not malice cloak this matter whereby that pity and mercy may take no place ye have all your pleasures fulfilled which ye have long desired and now suffer conscience to minister unto him some liberality the day may come that some of us may be in the same case ye have such alterations in persons as well assured as ye suppose yourselves to be and to stand upon as sure a ground 
and what hangeth over our heads we know not. I can say no more. Now do as ye list. Then after all this they began again to consult in this matter, and after long debating and reasoning about the same it was concluded that he should have by the way of pressed a thousand marks out of Winchester bishopric, beforehand of his pension, which the king had granted him out of the same, for the king had resumed the whole revenues of the bishopric of Winchester into his own hands, yet the king out of the same had granted divers great pensions unto divers noblemen and unto others of his council, so that I do suppose, all things accompted, his part was the least, so that when this determination was fully concluded, they declared the same to the king, who straightways commanded that thousand marks to be delivered out of hand to Master Cromwell, and so it was. The king, calling Master Cromwell to him secretly, bade him to resort to him again when he had received the said sum of money, and according to the same commandment he repaired again to the king, to whom the king said, Show my lord your master, although our council hath not assigned any sufficient sum of money to bear his charges, yet ye shall show him in my behalf that I will send him a thousand pounds of my benevolence, and tell him he shall not lack, and bid him be of good cheer. Master Cromwell, upon his knee, most humbly thanked the king on my lord's behalf, for his great benevolence and noble heart towards my lord, whose comfortable words, quoth he, of your grace, shall rejoice him more than three times the value of your noble reward. And therewith departed from the king, and came to my lord directly to Richmond, to whom he delivered the money, and showed him all the arguments in the council which ye have heard before, with the progress of the same and of what it was, and whereof it was levied, which the council sent him, and of the money which the king sent him, and of his comfortable words, whereof my lord rejoiced not a little, and greatly comforted. And after the receipt of this money my lord consulted with Master Cromwell about his departure, and of his journey, with the order thereof. End of section 22 Section 23 of The Life and Death of Cardinal Wolsey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Part 23. Then my lord prepared all things with speed for his journey into the north, and sent to London for livery clothes for his servants that should ride with him thither. Some he refused, such as he thought were not meet to serve and some again of their own mind desired him of his favor to tarry still here in the south, being very loath to abandon their native country, their parents, wives, and children, wherewith he most gladly licensed with good will and favor, and rendered unto them his hearty thanks for their painful service and long tarriance with him in his troublesome decay and overthrow so that now all things being furnished towards this journey which he took in the beginning of the passion week before easter and so rode to a place then the abbots of westminster called hendon and the next day he removed to a place called the rye where my lady parry lay 
The next day he rode to Royston and lodged in the monastery there, and the next he removed to Huntingdon and there lodged in the abbey, and from thence he removed to Peterborough and there lodged also within the abbey, being then Palm Sunday, where he made his abode until the Thursday in Easter week with all his train whereof the most part went to board wages in the town having twelve carts to carry his stuff of his own which came from his college in oxford where he had three score carts to carry such necessaries as belonged to his buildings there upon palm sunday he went in procession with the monks bearing his palm setting forth god's service right honorably with such singing men as he then had remaining with him and upon maundy thursday he made his maundy in our lady's chapel having fifty-nine poor men whose feet he then washed wiped and kissed each of these poor men had twelve pence in money three l's of canvas to make them shirts a pair of new shoes a cast of bread three red herrings and three white herrings and the odd person had two shillings upon easter day in the morning he rode to the resurrection and that day he went in procession in his vesture cardinal with his hat and hood upon his head and he himself sang there the high mass very devoutly and granted clean remission to all the hearers and there continued all the holidays my lord continuing at peterborough after this manner intending to remove from thence sent me to sir william fitzwilliam a knight which dwelt within three or four miles of peterborough to provide him there a lodging until monday next following on his journey northward and being with him to whom i declared my lord's request and he being thereof very glad rejoiced not a little that it would please my lord to visit his house in his way saying that he should be the king's majesty accepted most heartiest welcome to him of any man alive and that he should not need to discharge the carriage of any of his stuff for his own use during the time of his being there but have all things furnished ready against his coming to occupy his own bed accepted thus upon my report made to my lord at my return he rejoiced of my message commanding me thereto to give warning to all his officers and servants to prepare themselves to remove from peterborough upon thursday next then every man made all things in such readiness as was convenient paying in the town for all things as they had taken of any person for their own use for which cause my lord caused a proclamation to be made in the town that if any person or persons in the town or country there were offended or grieved against any of my lord's servants that they should resort to my lord's officers of whom they should have redress and truly answered as the case justly required so that all things being furnished my lord took his journey from peterborough upon the thursday in easter week to master fitzwilliams where he was joyously received and had most worthy and honorable entertainment at the only charges and expenses of the said master fitzwilliam all his time being there the occasion that moved master fitzwilliam thus to rejoice of my lord's being in his house was that he sometime being a merchant of london and sheriff there 
fell in debate with the city of london upon a grudge between the aldermen of the bench and him upon a new corporation that he would erected of a new mystery called merchants tailors contrary to the opinion of divers of the bench of aldermen of the city of london which caused him to give and surrender his cloak and departed from london and inhabited within the country and against the malice of all the said aldermen and other rulers in the commonweal of the city my lord defended him and retained him into service whom he made first his treasurer of his house and then after his high chamberlain and in conclusion for his wisdom gravity port and eloquence being a gentleman of a comely stature made him one of the king's council and so continued all his life afterward therefore in consideration of all these gratitudes received at my lord's hands as well in his trouble as in his preferment was most gladdest like a faithful friend of good remembrance to requite him with semblable gratuity and right joyous that he had any occasion to minister some pleasure such as lay then in his power to do thus my lord continued there until the monday next where lacked no good cheer of costly viands both of wine and other goodly entertainment so that upon the said monday my lord departed from thence unto stamford where he lay all that night and the next day he removed from thence unto grantham and was lodged in a gentleman's house called master hall and the next day he rode to newark and lodged in the castle all that night the next day he rode to southwell a place of my lord's within three or four miles of newark where he intended to continue all that summer as he did after here i must declare to you a notable tale of communication which was done at master fitzwilliam's before his departure from thence between my lord and me the which was this sir my lord being in the garden at master fitzwilliam's walking saying of his evensong with his chaplain i being there giving attendance upon him his evensong finished commanded his chaplain that bear up the train of his gown whilst he walked to deliver me the same and to go aside when he had done and after the chaplain was gone a good distance he said unto me in this wise ye have quoth he been late at london forsooth my lord quoth i not late since that i was there to buy your liveries for your servants and what news was there then heard you no communication there of me i pray you tell me then perceiving that i had a good occasion to talk my mind plainly unto him said sir if it please your grace it was my chance to be at a dinner in a certain place within the city where i among divers other honest and worshipful gentlemen happed to sit which were for the most part of my old familiar acquaintance wherefore they were the more bolder to enter in communication with me understanding that i was still your grace's servant asked me a question which i could not well assoil them what was that quoth my lord forsooth sir quoth i first they asked me how ye did and how ye accepted your adversity and trouble and the loss of your goods to which i answered that you were in health thanks be to god and took all things in good part and sir it seemed me that 
they were all your indifferent friends lamenting your decay and loss of your room and goods doubting much that the sequel thereof could not be good in the commonwealth for often changing such offices which be fat-fed into the hands of such as be lean and hungry for riches they will sure travail by all means to get abundance and so the poor commons be pilled and extorted for greedy lucre of riches and treasure they said that ye were full-fed and intended now much to the advancement of the king's honor and the commonwealth also they marveled much that ye being of so excellent a wit and high discretion would so simply confess yourself guilty in the premunari wherein ye might full well have stood in the trial of your case for they understood by the report of some of the king's counsel learned that in your case well considered ye had great wrong to the which i could make as me thought no sufficient answer but said that i doubt not your so doing was upon some greater consideration than my wit could understand is this quoth he the opinion of wise men yea forsooth my lord quoth i and almost all of other men well then quoth he i see that their wisdoms perceive not the ground of the matter that moved me so to do for i considered that my enemies had brought the matter so to pass against me and conveyed it so that they made it the king's case and caused the king to take the matter into his own hands and quarrel and after that he had upon the occasion thereof seized all my goods and possessions into his domains and then the quarrel to be his rather than yield or take a foil in the law and thereby restore to me all my goods again would sooner by the procurement of my enemies and evil willers imagine my utter undoing and destruction whereof the most ease therein had been for me perpetual imprisonment and rather than i would jeopard so far or put my life in any such hazard yet had i most liefest to yield and confess the matter committing the sole sum thereof as i did unto the king's clemency and mercy and live at large like a poor vicar than to lie in prison with all the goods and honors that i had and therefore it was the most best way for me all things considered to do as i have done than to stand in trial with the king for he would have been loath to have been noted a wrong-doer and in my submission the king i doubt not had a great remorse of conscience wherein he would rather pity me than malign me and also there was a continual serpentine enemy about the king that would i am well assured if i had been found stiff-necked have called continually upon the king in his ear i mean the night-crow with such a vehemency that i should with the help of her assistance have obtained sooner the king's indignation than his lawful favor and his favor once lost which i trust at this present i have would never have been by me recovered therefore i thought it better for me to keep still his loving favor with loss of my goods and dignities than to win my goods and substance with the loss of his love and princely favor which is but only death quia indignatio principis mors est 
and this was the special ground and cause that I yielded myself guilty in the premunari, which I perceive all men knew not, wherein, since I understand the king hath conceived a certain prick of conscience, who took secretly to himself the matter more grievous in his secret stomach than all men knew, for he knew whether I did offend him therein so grievously as it was made or no, to whose conscience I do commit my cause, truth, and equity. And thus we left the substance of all this communication, although we had much more talk, yet this is sufficient to cause you to understand as well the cause of his confession in his offense, as also the cause of the loss of all his goods and treasure. End of section 23 Section 24 of The Life and Death of Cardinal Wolsey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Part 24. Now let us return where we left, my lord being in the castle of Newark, intending to ride to Southwell, which was four miles from thence, took now his journey thitherward against supper, where he was fain for lack of reparation of the bishop's place which appertained to the see of york to be lodged in a prebendary's house against the said place and there kept house until whitsuntide next against which time he removed into the place newly amended and repaired and there continued the most part of the summer surely not without great resort of the most worshipfullest gentlemen of the country and divers other of whom they were most gladly entertained and had of him the best cheer he could devise for them, whose gentle and familiar behavior with them caused him to be greatly beloved and esteemed through the whole country thereabouts. He kept a noble house, and plenty both of meat and drink for all comers, both for rich and poor, and much alms given at the gate. He used much charity and pity among his poor tenants and other, although the fame thereof was no pleasant sound in the ears of his enemies, and of such as bear him no good will. Howbeit the common people will report as they find cause, for he was much more familiar among all persons than he was accustomed, and most gladdest when he had an occasion to do them good. He made many agreements and concords between gentlemen and gentlemen, and between some gentlemen and their wives that had been long asunder, and in great trouble, and divers other agreements between other persons, making great assemblies for the same purpose, and feasting of them, not sparing for any costs where he might make a peace and amity, which purchased him much love and friendship in the country. It chanced that upon Corpus Christi Eve, after supper, my lord commanded me to prepare all things for him in a readiness against the next day, for he intended to sing high mass in the minster that day, and I, not forgetting his commandment, gave like warning to all his officers of his house, and other of my fellows, to foresee that all things appertaining to their rooms were fully furnished to my lord's honor. This done I went to my bed, where I was scantly asleep and warm, but that one of the porters came to my chamber door, calling upon me, and said, There was two gentlemen at the gate that would gladly speak with my lord from the king. With that I arose up, 
and went incontinent unto the gate with the porter, demanding what they were that so fain would come in. They said unto me that there was Master Brereton, one of the gentlemen of the king's privy chamber, and Master Riesley, who were come from the king in post to speak with my lord. Then having understanding what they were, I caused the porter to let them in, and after their entry they desired me to speak with my lord without delay, for they might not tarry, at whose request I repaired to my lord's chamber, and waked him, who was asleep. But when he heard me speak, he demanded of me what I would have. Sir, quoth I, there be beneath in the porter's lodge Master Brereton, gentleman of the king's privy chamber, and Master Risley, come from the king to speak with you. They will not tarry, therefore they beseech your grace to speak with you out of hand. Well then, quoth my lord, bid them come up into my dining-chamber, and I will prepare myself to come to them. Then I resorted to them again, and showed them that my lord desired them to come up unto him, and he would talk with them with a right good will. They thanked me, and went with me unto my lord, and as soon as they perceived him being in his night apparel, did to him humble reverence, whom he took by the hands, demanding of them how the king his sovereign lord did. Sir, said they, right well in health and merry, thanks be unto our lord. Sir, quoth they, we must desire you to talk with you apart. With a right good will, quoth my lord, who drew them aside into a great window, and there talked with them secretly. And after long talk they took out of a mail a certain coffer covered with green velvet, and bound with bars of silver and gilt, with a lock of the same, having a key which was gilt, with the which they opened the same chest, out of which they took a certain instrument or writing, containing more than one skin of parchment, having many great seals hanging at it, whereunto they put more wax for my lord's seal, the which my lord sealed with his own seal, and subscribed his name to the same, and that done they would needs depart, and, for as much as it was after midnight, my lord desired them to tarry and take a bed. They thanked him, and said they might in no wise tarry, for they would with all speed to the Earl of Shrewsbury, directly without let, because they would be there or ever he stirred in the morning. And my lord, perceiving their hasty speed, caused them to eat such cold meat as there was in store within the house, and to drink a cup or two of wine. And that done he gave each of them four old sovereigns of gold, desiring them to take it in gree, saying that if he had been of greater ability their reward should have been better, and so taking their leave they departed. And after they were departed, as I heard say, they were not contented with their reward. Indeed they were not none of his indifferent friends, which caused them to accept it so disdainously. Howbeit if they knew what little store of money he had at that present, they would, I am sure, being but his indifferent friends, have given him hearty thanks. But nothing is more lost or cast away than is such things which is given to such ingrate persons. My lord went again to bed, and yet all his watch and disturbance that he had that night notwithstanding, he sang high mass the next day, as he appointed before. There was none in all his house that knew of the coming or going of these gentlemen, 
and yet there lay within the said house many worshipful strangers. After this sort and manner my lord continued at Southwell until the latter end of Greece time, at which time he intended to remove to Scroby, which was another house of the bishopric of York, and against the day of his removing he caused all his officers to prepare as well for provision to be made for him there as also for carriage of his stuff and other matters concerning his estate. His removing and intent was not so secret, but that it was known abroad in the country, which was lamentable to all his neighbors about Southwell, and as it was lamentable unto them, so was it as much joy to his neighbors about Scroby. Against the day of his removing, divers knights and other gentlemen of worship in the country came to him to Southwell, intending to accompany and attend upon him in that journey the next day, and to conduct him through the forest unto Scroby. But he being of their purpose advertised how they did intend to have lodged a great stag or twain for him by the way, purposely to show him all the pleasure and disport they could devise, and having, as I said, thereof intelligence, was very loath to receive any such honor and disport at their hands, not knowing how the king would take it, and being well assured that his enemies would rejoice much to understand that he would take upon him any such presumption, whereby they might find an occasion to inform the king how sumptuous and pleasant he was, notwithstanding his adversity and overthrow and so to bring the king into a wrong opinion of small hope in him of reconcilement, but rather that he sought a mean to obtain the favor of the country to withstand the king's proceedings, with divers such imaginations, wherein he might rather sooner catch displeasure than favor and honor. And also he was loath to make the worshipful gentleman privy to this his imagination, lest peradventure that they should conceive some toy or fantasy in their heads by means thereof, and so to eschew their accustomed access, and absent themselves from him, which should be as much to his grief as the other was to his comfort. Therefore he devised this mean way, as hereafter followeth, which should rather be taken for a laughing disport than otherwise, First he called me unto him secretly at night, going to his rest, and commanded me in many wise, most secretly that night, to cause six or seven horses, besides his mule for his own person, to be made ready by the break of the day for him and such persons as he appointed to ride with him to an abbey called Welbeck, where he intended to lodge by the way to Scroby willing me to be also in a readiness to ride with him, and to call him so early that he might be on horseback, after he had heard Mass, by the breaking of the day. Sir, what will you more? All things being accomplished according to his commandment, and the same finished and done, he, with a small number before appointed, mounted upon his mule, setting forth by the breaking of the day towards Welbeck, which is about sixteen miles from thence, whither my lord and we came before six of the clock in the morning, and he went straight to his bed, leaving all the gentlemen strangers in their beds at Southwell, nothing privy of my lord's secret departure, 
who expected his uprising until it was eight of the clock but after it was known to them and to all the rest there remaining behind him then every man went to horseback galloping after supposing to overtake him but he was at his rest in welbeck or ever they rose out of their beds in southwell and so their chief hunting and coursing of the great stag was disappointed and dashed but at their thither resort to my lord sitting at dinner the matter was jested and laughed out merrily and all the matter well taken my lord the next day removed from thence to whom resorted divers gentlemen of my lord the earl of shrewsbury's servants to desire my lord in their master's name to hunt in a park of the earl's called worksop park the which was within a mile of welbeck and the very best and next way for my lord to travel through on his journey where much plenty of game was laid in a readiness to show him pleasure howbeit he thanked my lord their master for his gentleness and them for their pains saying that he was no meet man for any such pastime being a man otherwise disposed such pastime and pleasure were meet for such noblemen as delight therein nevertheless he could do no less than to account my lord of shrewsbury to be much his friend in whom he found such gentleness and nobleness in his honorable offer to whom he rendered his most lowly thanks but in no wise they could entreat him to hunt although the worshipful gentlemen being in his company provoked him all that they could do thereto yet he would not consent desiring them to be contented saying that he came not into the country to frequent or follow any such pleasures or pastimes but only to attend to a greater cure that he had in hand which was his duty study and pleasure and with such reasons and persuasions he pacified them for that time howbeit yet as he rode through the park both my lord of shrewsbury's servants and also the aforesaid gentlemen moved him once again before whom the deer lay very fair for all pleasant hunting and coursing but it would not be but he made as much speed to ride through the park as he could and at the issue out of the park he called the earl's gentlemen and the keepers unto him desiring them to have him commended to my lord their master thanking him for his most honorable offer and good will trusting shortly to visit him at his own house and gave the keepers forty shillings for their pains and diligence who conducted him through the park and so rode to another abbey called rufford abbey to dinner and after he rode to blythe abbey where he lay all night and the next day he came to scroby where he continued until after michaelmas ministering many deeds of charity most commonly every sunday if the weather did serve he would travel unto some parish church thereabout and there would say his divine service and either hear or say mass himself causing some one of his chaplains to preach unto the people and that done he would dine in some honest house of that own where should be distributed to the poor a great alms as well of meat and drink as of money to supply the want of sufficient meat if the number of the poor did so exceed of necessity and thus with other good deeds practicing and exercising during his abode there at scorby 
as making of love-days and agreements between party and party, being then at variance, and he daily frequenting himself there about such business and deeds of honest charity. Then, about the feast of St. Michael next ensuing, my lord took his journey towards Cowood Castle, the which is within seven miles of York, and passing thither he lay two nights and a day at St. Oswald's Abbey, where he himself confirmed children in the church from eight of the clock in the morning until eleven of the clock at noon, and making a short dinner resorted again to the church at one of the clock, and there began again to confirm more children until four of the clock, where he was at the last constrained for weariness to sit down in a chair, the number of the children was such. That done he said his evensong, and then went to supper, and rested him there all that night, and the next morning he applied himself to depart towards Cowood, and, or ever he departed, he confirmed almost an hundred children more, and then rode on his journey, and by the way there were assembled at a stone cross standing upon a green within a quarter of a mile of Ferrybridge, about the number of two hundred children to confirm, where he alighted, and never removed his foot until he had confirmed them all, and then took his mule again, and rode to Cowood, where he lay long after with much honor and love of the country, both of the worshipful and of the simple, exercising himself in good deeds of charity, and kept there an honorable and plentiful house for all comers, and also built and repaired the castle, which was then greatly decayed, having a great multitude of artificers and laborers above the number of three hundred persons daily in wages. And lying there he had intelligence by the gentlemen of the country, that used to repair unto him, that there was sprung a great variance and deadly hate between Sir Richard Tempest and Master Brian Hastings, then but a squire, which was after made knight, between whom was like to ensue great murder, unless some good mean might be found to redress the inconvenience that was most likeliest to ensue. My lord, being thereof advertised, lamenting the case, made such means by his wisdom and letters with other persuasions, that these two gentlemen were content to resort to my lord to Cowood, and there to abide his order high and low. Then was there a day appointed of their assembly before my lord, at which day they came not without great number on each part. Wherefore against that day my lord had required many worshipful gentlemen to be there present, to assist him with their wisdoms, to appease these two worthy gentlemen, being a deadly feud, and to see the king's peace kept, commanding no more of their number to enter into the castle with these two gentlemen than six persons of each of their menial servants, and all the rest to remain without in the town, or where they listed to repair. And my lord himself issuing out of the gates, calling the number of both parties before him, straightly charging them most earnestly to observe and keep the king's peace, in the king's name, upon their perils, without either bragging or quarreling either with other, and caused them to have both beer and wine sent them into the town, and then returned again into the castle, being about nine of the clock. And because he would have these gentlemen to dine with him at his own table, 
thought it good in avoiding a further inconvenience to appease their rancor before whereupon he called them into his chapel and there with the assistance of the other gentlemen he fell into communication with the matter declaring unto them the dangers and mischiefs that through their wilfulness and folly were most likeliest to ensue with divers other good exhortations notwithstanding the parties laying and alleging many things for their defense some time adding each to other stout and despiteful words of defiance to which my lord and the other gentlemen had much ado to qualify their malice was so great howbeit at length with long continuance and wise arguments and deep persuasions made by my lord they were agreed and finally accorded about four of the clock at afternoon and so made them friends and as it seemed they both rejoiced and were right well contented therewith to the great comfort of all the other worshipful gentlemen causing them to shake hands and go arm in arm in to dinner and so went to dinner though it was very late to dine yet notwithstanding they dined together with the other gentlemen at my lord's table where they drank lovingly each to other with countenance of great amity after dinner my lord caused them to discharge their routs and assembly that remained in the town and to retain with them no more servants than they were accustomed most commonly to ride with and that done these gentlemen fulfilling his commandment tarried at cowood and lay there all night whom my lord entertained in such sort that they accepted his noble heart in great worthiness trusting to have of him a special jewel in their country having him in great estimation and favor as it appeared afterward by their behavior and demeanor towards him end of section twenty four save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.